What's up, guys? Man, so grateful that each of you take the time to just be a part of this conversation. You know, I love each and every one of you and your families and your ministry. And before we jump in, I want to take just a, a moment to introduce each of you because I know some of you are, are pretty connected to our church family at Ethos, and there may be others who don't know uh, who you are. And so I want to start by introducing Mo. Mo and his wife, Nikki, are a part of our church planting family at Ethos. He's an amazing leader, leads a church out in Murfreesboro called A Holy Hill. And Mo, we're so glad you're on the call today. Welcome, brother. Great to see you. Thank you so and, much, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And then Douglas Ribeiro, he and his wife, Vanessa, they're a part of our Ethos family. They've been with us for years, and they serve and lead in a variety of capacities from house churches to grow classes. Douglas has been a part of the teaching team at Ethos, and he's a professor and a licensed therapist. Douglas, we're so glad you're on the call today to be a part Thank of you. this. Thank you. Glad experience. to be here. Yeah, great to see you, brother. And then Joey uh, Maldonado, he and his wife, Joanna. Yeah. Uh, they are part of our church planning family as well. Uh, they lead the Movement Church uh, here in Nashville. They meet at Plaza Mariachi. And uh, Joey, man, so great to see you. Uh, glad Thank you're on the call, me. man. So yeah. glad to be here. Great to see you, brother. And, and then Corey Sanders, he and his wife, Rachel. A lot of you know Corey. They've been a part of our church uh, family for years. He was on staff with us at Ethos for years. And then I guess it was about a year and a half ago, we, we commissioned Corey and Rachel out to Mount Juliet with Chris Nelson Malone to plant King and City Church. And so, Corey, great to see you, bro. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. You know, I, I've kind of prepped you guys on this conversation. Uh, you know, last week as a church family, we spent this time talking about some of the challenges that we're all experiencing in, in the midst of kind of the moment we're in where you see uh, division, you see pain, you see heartache, and yet in the midst of all of it, you see the kingdom of God breaking through. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, it's it's tough to go, okay, what's our role in the midst of all of this? And, you know, just through my friendship with you and what I'm seeing you guys do in each of the places where God has put you, I wanted to, to just have a conversation, not just about the problems we see in the world and the problems we see in the church, but, but really about the possibility of the gospel uh, breaking through in the midst of it so we can really see like the reconciliation, uh, the, the power, the, the transformative hope that you see in the gospel. So I'm so grateful that you guys uh, would jump in. I've got several questions that I want to just kind of throw your way. And uh, Corey, I'll start with you. You know, this past week, you and I were having a conversation about just the way in which relationship is so crucial to what's happening. Uh, you know, it's, it's so crucial in breaking through some of the barriers. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. He says, you know, because of what Jesus has done, we no longer view other people from a worldly perspective. Instead, yes. we begin to see them with the eyes of the kingdom. And last week, you were just talking about the way that relationship has such a, a huge role in that. Why, why do you think relationship matters so much for the gospel, especially for the moment we're in? Well, honestly, Dave, I think, I think, uh, it starts off very biblical that Jesus said that if you want to be his disciple, you must follow him. So I think it, it started with a relationship. Like Jesus understood that if we wanted to become all that he called us to be, but also too, if we wanted to uh, live in unison, that we will have to start relationship with him first. And and so mm-hmm. if Jesus if Jesus wanted us to uh, create a relationship with him, then create create a relationship with each other. Uh, also, we know that is important. You see that uh, in the garden, uh, uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden, when uh, when he was in relationship, when Adam was in relationship with with the, with the Lord, that 
you know, he had purpose. Uh, he 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 flourished. Um, he knew exactly what he what he needed to do, and he did it very well. Uh, but then, when you see him when he's sin and and the relationship was broken, uh, destruction started to happen. And mm. and it's just like he didn't have any purpose. He didn't have any understanding. He was he was living into his own devices. And and, and, I, and I love where in, in John seventeen, which with the Lord spoke to um, to. To God, to Jesus, God, Jesus spoke to God and said, "I hope they will be one, as we are one." And it's just like when you when you look at the foundation of the gospel and you see that relationship has always been uh, what Jesus has wanted, not only with us but with each other. It's like when we don't know, it's easy to be misunderstood. It's it's, it's easy to be silent and it's easy to not even. Uh, be concerned of what's happening That's good. Uh, when issues start to break out and when you're so distant. So I think when when we are in relationship, when we are in relationship, mm-hmm. it's just like with Jesus, when we don't even understand things, like, you know, when we walk in relationship with Jesus and, and things happen and we're like, Father, why? Because we're in relationship with him, we're still there. We're, we're, we're still waiting on him. We're still anticipating. We're still walking with him. We never leave him. And, and I feel like, you know, even as a um, a race, one race, when we start to walk with each other, even when things happen, we don't understand it, that we don't divide. We're, mm. we're still together and we're still one. So I think relationship is just the foundation of the Bible, but it's the foundation that God created for us to, to live in one. And I, so I think if this thing is going to work, it has to start relationship. So, man. That's so good, uh, Corey. Can I chime something in right, right, Dave? Yeah, man, go for it. You know, I like that. So, Corey, that's very important because relationship is pretty much the key. And for this simple reason, when we begin to build relationship with people that don't look like us, talk like us, then we begin to come closer and that's proximity. And when there is proximity, it actually breeds, uh, proximity reduces suspicion. Mm-hmm. You know, so I become That's less good. suspicious of the people around me. Then it, it reduces the tension around. Then we can now talk as brothers to brother because I know them. You know, mm-hmm. um, during the week, too, we had an internal conversation with our leaders at Azoli Hill. And everybody was just talking about the experiences with rapes. And you realize that if relationships were actually there, all those suspicions would actually fade off. So yeah. the more we actually grow in proximity, the more we come together in relationship, it actually reduces the, pro, uh, the suspicion that we have among ourselves and it also increases the empathy that we have towards ourselves. Amen. And man, that's, that's so good. I love what you guys are speaking into. Mm-hmm. And I was having a conversation with a friend earlier this week, and he was talking about the social distancing that we've been experiencing Mm. during the midst of this pandemic. And he said, the truth is, he said, we haven't been social distancing for 13 weeks or whatever it's been. He says, we've been social distancing since the beginning of humanity. We distance ourselves Mm. from other people that are different from us. And Mm. and it's not just six feet. A lot of times it's six miles or it's, Mm. we keep each other, uh, we keep ourselves away from others Mm. that are different from us. And I love what you said, how relationships, not just the key, but when, there's proximity, that suspicion mm. begins to go down and intimacy mm. begins to flourish and mm. we actually feel the pain of, of our brothers and sisters in this. You know that moment in the book mm. of Genesis where, where God asks a really stunning question to Cain right after he has killed his brother Abel. Uh, he asks where his brother is and, and Cain says, what, am I my brother's keeper? And in a lot of ways, the rest of the Bible is kind of God's answer to that. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. You are yeah, supposed yes. to be your brother's keeper. Yeah. And I love that. You know, Joey, 
for as long as I've known you, when you and your family moved to Nashville, I, I've mm-hmm. seen you living into this this work of of not just reconciliation, but relational reconciliation. You know, and so uh, uh, what Paul says in Second Corinthians, he says at at one at one time we were actually distant from God. Through Jesus, he's done all sorts of work to bring us back into that relationship that Corey was just talking about. He says, and now that we've been brought back into that relationship, we're actually sent out with this ministry of reconciliation for the world. And so I've seen you live out this relational reconciliation. Why do you think uh, relational reconciliation is not just a part of the gospel, but like right in the center of what God's put us on earth to be about? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because the, the gospel, the truth of, um, of Scripture, the narrative of the Bible is a relational narrative. It's about restoring this separation um, from mankind to God. And as I look at our responsibility as, um, as believers, uh, as Christ followers, uh, the separation between that close proximity that was talked about and this relational understanding um, we it's just so easy to to kind of uh, detach that from our responsibilities as as believers in general. And it's something that, um, you know, it, we, we've been called to walk our lives out as Christ walked his life out. And um, what I see when I look at Jesus is um, the way that change came in people's lives was by touching their hearts. And the only way that you can touch their hearts is if you're close enough to, mm-hmm. to uh, penetrate and to know people's hearts and to uh, engage with people's hearts. And a- as we do that, you know, the enemy wants uh, us to dehumanize people and that dehumanizing people mm-hmm. comes by keeping people away. If I don't mm-hmm. know who you are, if I don't uh, engage in a, in a life of relationship with you, um, then that it fuels fear, it fuels the ignorance of uh, and lack of knowledge and understanding of people. And, and then we just continue to walk into this brokenness that we see uh, with all these divides. And uh, it's just opposite of the gospel. Um, and as we do that, then we can, um, we can stand in such a way. Uh, and in this past couple of years, God has been fueling this in my heart is that, you know, he, he doesn't just tell us that he's for us. He does. He states that clear, clearly. I am for you. I am not against you. Uh, but he goes even farther that he would send his son that his son would live a life that would usher in his Holy Spirit for for one amazing gift and promise. Jesus said it. He said, and don't worry about it because I'll always be with you. Um, so he's not just for us, but he's with us. Um, and, and for me, that's the, uh, you know, that, that's the the very DNA of relationship and living that out in, in a kingdom lifestyle. Yeah, and I've heard you say that phrase so many times. You say, "I don't, I don't want people to be for me. Yeah, I want mm-hmm. them to be with me." And and that's that's the heart. You know, Jesus is God with us, and yeah. then we, as followers of Jesus, become people that are are with others. I'd love to hear uh, so, somebody else. Like, what do you hear Joey speaking into there when he's talking about this idea of uh, relational reconciliation? Yeah, I what, appreciate what Joey was saying in terms of, you know, our natural tendency or even our worldly tendency to dehumanize, right? That mm. the tendency to kind of see the other as different and to mm. allow for that separation to grow over time. I love what Corey was saying in terms of, you know, if relationship is kind of moving together, mm. you know, um, if you've ever been or talked to somebody that's currently dating, you know that relationship is great, but it can only progress with commitment. 
Mm-hmm. And that commitment comes with that sense of reconciliation, right? That we have a commitment towards something that is uh, joint. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what brings us into humanity back. And I, you know, can't stress enough what Joey was saying in terms of the fact that while well, Jesus modeled that, he just mm-hmm. didn't tell us, you know, he kind of modeled how to do it. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite moments in the book of Acts is a story in Acts chapter 6 where you had a a group of Jesus followers who really kind of enjoyed um, a position of privilege and power within their community. And there's this moment where another group of uh, Jesus followers who did not enjoy that same position of privilege and power um, felt overlooked, felt like their folks weren't uh, being taken care of. And it wasn't just a feeling, it was actually a reality. And so the people who didn't have power kind of began to raise their voice and, and, and speak in, into that to, so similar in some ways to what we're experiencing right now in our culture. And what I loved mm-hmm. was that the ones that had the power and the privilege, yes. they didn't just listen, but they began to act. And one of the things that they did was they, they humbled themselves and they began to mm-hmm. raise up leaders from within mm-hmm. the group yes. who didn't have any privilege or power in the first, because they understood this was not just to bring peace Mm. It was actually necessary to bring the power of the gospel, to advance the gospel. And what you see mm. in the rest of the book of Acts is uh, the way of Jesus starts infiltrating all these different cultures because yes. a group had the, the humility to listen and to raise mm. up other leaders. And Mo, I would love for you to speak into this because I think about the vision that God has given you and Nikki and your team there yes. at a holy hill. And I see you raising up mm. all of these, the next generation of leaders who mm. who look different and speak yes. differently and mm. And uh, that they're, they're, they're such a beautiful picture of what God's doing in the world right now. Why do you think raising up a next generation mm. of diverse leaders is a key step for the church as we move forward in this season? Man, thank you so much for that question, Dave. And Acts 6, and that story is one of my favorite also in the scripture. And, you know, one of the things in 2 Corinthians 5 that the Bible uses to describe what we have it calls it a ministry of reconciliation, and it also uses the word the word of reconciliation to describe the gospel. Mm. So when you think about that, you want to think about three things. Number one, the source of our gospel, the price for the gospel, and the believers in the gospel, the destiny of the believers in the gospel. So the source of our gospel is God himself. The Bible says that in Acts 17, that out of one blood, he has made all nations. Mm -hmm. So when you start thinking about that, the source of our gospel is a diverse God and not just a a gospel for just a set of people. So you understand that that's what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. So the source is saying that God is not against uh, race, it's just against racism. So anything that will come from him will definitely have diversity. So when you now think about the price for the gospel on the cross, you're thinking about the price that Jesus paid. John 3, 16. I, I knew that verse before I even became a believer. <laughs> he says, for God so loved the world. Not a part of the world, not a nation of the world, not a group of the world. God loves the world. So you can see that the gospel, the word of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation is not just for a group of people. So the leaders that we're going to raise and release must also understand this, that this gospel is for the world. And our God is not colorblind, our God is colorblessed. 
And because it's color blast, so it's going to be reaching people of different races, you know, of different ethnicity. They don't look like us. They don't think mm-hmm. like us. That is how the gospel will spread. Now, also, when you think about the destination of the believers in the gospel, when we preach the gospel to people, we promise them eternal life from the Lord. We tell them that there is heaven for you. And guess what? There is no American heaven. There is no African heaven. There is no European heaven. You know, the Bible says that in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. It said, after these things, it says, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number. All nations, all the people, all the tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. So when we start understanding what our gospel is, where our gospel came from, the price for our gospel, and where we are going. We have to start getting used to our destination. <laughs> and that's the reason why it's important for us to start taking the shades off and start seeing humanity from the blood of Jesus and not from the color of their skin. Come on. Oh, man. dude, come yeah. on, man. Hey, Dave, I love what Mo said. I, I think mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of, of Proverbs 29 where, where mm-hmm. it says, where there's no vision, it, the people perish. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I think good. when we don't live in reconciliation, Mm-hmm. What we do, we let we start to let our culture and our society define mm-hmm. what's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think when you look at it for so long, when we was in a period of time, you could think about in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, division was a way of life. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had you had certain restaurants or certain places a certain race could go. And I so if 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 we as, as the people of God, if we don't live in reconciliation, if we don't let our light shine and we don't build those relationships, mm-hmm. then what the world sets or said was right at one point, people still believe in that. And, mm-hmm. and people people still live their lives as what was acceptable in, in the culture. And, and what mm-hmm. we have to do, we have to let the gospel define what is right, what the gospel define of, of what, what is true. And so I feel like mm-hmm. that as, as ambassadors of of, of heaven of, of ambassadors of the kingdom it's our job it's, it's mm. our job to to live in a way where our light is always shining but also mm. where we always are making things new anything mm. that the culture has said is right we have to we have to um, test it or we have to really challenge it with what the gospel says and mm, I think when good. when when we when we are silent mm. the world wins. The culture wins, society wins, and 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 where there's no vision, the people perish. And so we yes. gotta be able to shine some light on things. And when when that's light, man, you can see clear as day. Amen. Man, that's yeah. so that's so good. Uh, Douglas, you know, earlier this week, you and I were having this conversation, and and you said something that I'd never thought of before. It gave me mm-hmm. such such perspective. You know, you're a professor. Uh, you teach on on these tensions. Uh, you. Uh, you are a counselor. You help people work through these tensions. You're a follower of Jesus. You're living into it. Uh, I've watched you in so many different spheres kind of live out what we're, we're talking about here. And you made a statement that was so powerful. You said, uh, you know, the world is going to be limited in its ability to fully embody this mm-hmm. desire for a peace-filled, love-filled, diverse humanity. And, yeah. and then you said, but the church because of who we're following. And you begin to kind of echo Jesus's words in Mark 8, where he said, hey, if you want to follow me, you have to, you have to die to yourself. You know, you have to pick up the cross. And, and you've spoken to the power that surrender uh, plays in this and why that's so key. I would love for you to just kind yeah. of un- unpack that for us as we think about relational reconciliation. Uh, yeah. Why do Jesus followers have, 
have a real opportunity here. Yeah, and I appreciate you know that question and the fact that you know so much of my world is reading you know mm-hmm. from from so many different perspectives, right? Secular perspectives, uh, religious perspectives, political perspectives, and I, I kind of I see this as like even the moment that we're experiencing that we have a social movement that has been you know primarily led by secular individuals, which has you know allowed for the body of Christ to open our eyes and see that, yes, there is an invitation here. And I think we as the church, a local church, the global church, we have this invitation to come into this movement and actually speak into, or I would argue, to surrender something. And that is that we can detach our allegiances to this world. Mm. I think we have a savior that instill that into his first disciples, Hmm. and they share that with their followers. And that has been at the core of our community. And that is that we are invited to let go of ourselves. Hmm. And and that doesn't mean necessarily that I become colorblind or that I'm Hmm. not myself, but that Hmm. I know that I can surrender my fears, Right. right? I can surrender my fear of being called the name. I can mm. surrender the fear or even being hurt mm. because I know that the arc of my life doesn't end or is not attached to this world. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, you know, a calling, right? I don't know if anybody wakes up in the morning saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go. Even our Savior himself mm. struggled with this cup. But I think it's an invitation that allows for us to step a little further. That mm. when we see those hurting around us, mm. even those that are in, for themselves secular, we can step in. We can step in the front and say, you know what? I will sacrifice my identity. I will sacrifice my privilege. I will mm. sacrifice, or even better yet, I will surrender because my Savior showed me that surrender is actually mm. how I actually find my life. Mm. So and so good. So good. Uh, I've been thinking about that conversation ever since you mm. shared that with me a few days ago. Because mm. I go, when when we really walk in the surrendered way of Jesus, we mm. we lo- we lose the fear of what that surrendered way may cost us. Mm-hmm. And, and and that allows us to to not just come halfway to our brothers and sisters. It allows us yeah. to come all the way towards each other, to to wash feet like that. You yeah. know, a, a, how can mm. we do the ministry of of foot washing, of yes. of bridge building? Of it? well, we do that when we're we're able to follow in the surrendered mm-hmm. way of Jesus. I know that for yeah. me, anytime mm. somebody accuses me of doing something wrong, I think I'm extremely good at being defensive. Mm-hmm. I think surrender is one of the things that we as a church may need so much, and that is that it allows for us not to be defensive. Like it was spoken before, we can listen, and we can know that we're okay, because it is in surrender that we find life. And it's crazy for me, Dave, because I I think about this thing of surrender, and one Mm -hmm. of the things um, that was just said was, it's it's not a thing of eliminating who Mm -hmm. we are Mm -hmm. as people, in our cultures and, you know, in um, where we come from and our life experiences and all those things, because 
you know, on, on one hand, it's easy. It can be really easy to just want to eliminate those things mm. and to be colorblind. Mm. Um, and I think Mo said this earlier, but, you know, he it, Jesus shows us it's a it's a blessing to be able to mm-hmm. see, uh, you know, the yes. differences. And, and in our surrender um, to Jesus, he says, surrender your lives to me mm-hmm. um, because in his hands it's taken care of better than mm-hmm. in our own hands. And what he does is he takes care of who we are. He doesn't deny us. He, mm-hmm. he embraces us. And in yes. the same way that we love each other and in that surrender to each other, I can surrender to someone that is different than me why? Because I give them the opportunity to embrace who I am, and, and then we build relationship to take care of each other better, the same way Jesus would take care of us. But it's all, it also mm-hmm. comes with what was just said. It's this responsibility for it. Because Jesus says, I'll take care of you because I'm responsible for you. You're, you're covered by me. And, and that same thing is what he's called us to. Let's not be a church that wants to erase the lines. Let's celebrate those lines as we take mm-hmm. responsibility for each other. And that's so, so beautiful. You know, the other mm. the other day, Sydney and I were standing in our mm. front yard and we were looking at all of these flowers that she's planted mm. in front of our house and they're different colors and shapes and sizes. Mm. And the diversity of yeah. those flower beds is what brings us joy and beauty. We're like, wow, look at that. Yes. The way, and and yeah, for us so to good. see humanity through that yes. lens of, yeah. oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, I yeah. wish we, mm. I wish we had Mm-hmm. Uh, more time, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to end with just kind of one rapid fire question for each of you, mm-hmm. and I would I would love for each of you to just take a few seconds to speak into what do you hope the church in Nashville looks like ten years from now? You know, as mm-hmm. we as we press press into these issues, as we walk these things out in relationship, what mm-hmm. do you hope the church in Nashville looks like ten years from now? And I'll start with you, Mo, and then the rest of you guys can chime in. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Um, actually, you know. Nashville has historically been known as a religious uh, city. You know, I think statistics shows that we are like uh, the headquarters to over a dozen denominations headquarters. And, you know, that is not a bad thing at all. And it's just giving us the opportunity to at least see the gospel. But I'm hoping that 10 years from now that Nashville will move uh, away from just being a religious city to becoming closer to be a, a kingdom city. Uh, there's a difference between religion and kingdom. Religion is all about uniformity, but the kingdom is about unity. Uniformity is all about um, what do we look like, you know, but uh, in, in the kingdom is about what do we have a like with Christ. Yes. You know, religion is um, it's about division. This is what you believe. This is your doctrine. But the kingdom is not about division. It's about diversity because we're all revolving around the king. Um, so I'm hoping that in the next couple of years, thank the Lord for what the Lord has begun to do in Nashville, that we begin to move closer and closer day after the year after year to look more like a kingdom than looking like a religious town. So good. Somebody else. So good. Well, um, I I have a hard time with that question because, you know, I'm a pessimist in nature. <laughs> you hide it well. <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that I've seen and that has been just how diverse the, the faces of protests have been. And I hope that through this movement, the church will become more like Christ in its way of servant leadership, that we may be willing to let go of our desire for power Mm -hmm. and to be more willing to wash feet 
especially of those that are different than us, mm-hmm. um, that we may turn our cheeks and really accept um, suffering that, you know, with any change will come. And I do hope that this will allow for us to move closer. I think like we talked about, and it was so encouraging for me, in heaven, there will be difference, difference Amen. still. Yet, there will be a sense of unity and integration that allows for that. And I hope that the church can move in that direction, that our instincts to segregate or even our instincts to segregate will become part of our history and not part of our present. So good. What about hey, you, Joey? Yeah, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's much easier to talk about who Jesus is, to talk about what he has said, um, but it's a lot harder to walk the way that he walked. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in thinking of the next 10 years, I would love to see this city uh, be a city that's activated um, to really be the hands and feet of Christ and, and to, uh, to embrace this city and, and to love this city in its diversity, mm-hmm. um, because I, I believe that that's part of the blessing of who we are in the city of Nashville. Um, and in that being an example, I see Nashville being a city that's going to lead in such a way that it's not going to just impact our city, but it's going to impact the cities in our nation and across the world um, for being uh, real, true, genuine Christ followers um, who radically love the way that he did. So beautiful. Corey, what about you, man? What's your dream 10 years from now? Well, I, I just, I pray for transformation. I really pray for the church uh, That's good. Uh, to be transformed. And, you know, Jesus is a consuming fire. And, and, and when he when he comes in, man, he he wants he wants everything. He wants your heart. And and, and I love what he said to Peter. He said, if, if you come follow me, I'll make, don't want you to worry about what, you, what you're going to be, but I'll make you fish as a man. I already know the plans that I have for you. And we even seen in, in the Bible that the disciples, because they kept following Jesus, when they struggled, they were still transformed. That 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 they were transformed in that struggle. And I and I, I just pray that the church would know that, man, like if if we can just keep following him, keep following him, he'll keep he keep chipping away. And and yes. before you know oh, it, man, we will be one. We will be unified and, and we'll be able to uh stand and uh, really be a light to the world. So good. Man, that's awesome. Guys, I I I, I love you. I, I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your families. I'm grateful for your ministry. I'm grateful for who you are to us as a church family and who you are to the kingdom here in the city. And just getting to sit with you and, and learn from you and hear what God's stirring up in your heart, man, has stretched me, encouraged me, blessed me. And I know I speak uh, for our church family in that. Um, Mo, would you would you mind just yes. praying for the church, for yes. Jesus' church here in our city to, to wrap up our time together? Amen. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we just, we just thank you. We honor you. We love you. Yes, God. We thank you, Lord, for yeah. what you're doing in this season. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord, because this is the best time for us to be alive. Yes. I know that is uh, ridiculous to say, but we thank you because uh, something glorious, something mighty, something beautiful is just yes. at the door. Yeah. So we thank you, Lord, because the kingdom of the Lord in Nashville is becoming the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Yeah. Thank yeah. you because thank the you, glory and the beauty of Christ is being seen all over, even mm. the city more than ever before. We thank you because walls are coming down, strongholds mm. in our 
minds are coming down. We thank you because the enemy has already lost the battle because Christ is exalted in the nations. Christ is exalted in our city. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we don't handle the season in the flesh. We don't get carried away with the noise, but rather we lean into your voice in the name of Jesus. We receive an enlarged heart. We receive the heart of wisdom. We pray Mm -hmm. that the church will rise up to be able to correctly decipher and discern what you are doing in the season that we're not responding according to data from the news media, but rather we are led by the spirit of God of what you're doing right now and what you want to achieve in the city. So we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in Jesus name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. Thank Uh you.